0: Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by Pet, the owner of the Football Index Guide. Pet, thank you very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter at BettingPod and check out the website businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code B O B Pod. Please gamble responsibly. So, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Pet, the owner of the Football Index Guide. Pat, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. How are you doing? Very well, very well. It's nice to speak to a fellow podcaster, and um, I've spent a fair bit of time looking into the Football Index Guide, what you've created, some of the podcast stuff, all the videos, and there's a lot of great stuff there for certainly those in your community and I would say those outside. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the guide, uh, Football Index Guide, and, and how that got started?
1: Yeah well before we get right into it I'll uh, just have a little shout out for a, a guy who actually introduced me to your page and, and said I should try and get on the show uh, Buzzing Pool if you're listening uh, shout out to you for kind of introing me to, to this great show and uh, yeah like after I DM'd you it, it seemed kind of like a natural fit that there was some room for you know my story on, on your show and um, yeah I, I kind of love what you're what you're doing and yeah the Football Index stuff kind of started well I guess I'll take a step back. I was just turned eighteen. I was about to go to uni. It was the uh World Cup twenty fourteen, I think. And uh I was, you know, just turned eighteen in the UK, that's kind of the legal gambling age. And I was putting like, you know, 50p, one pound here on just kind of high odds bets just you know gut instinct ones like you know david louise to score a header or whatever in a world cup game um and that was kind of like where it all started and i just kind of got encapsulated into this uh to this world which was what i realized about gambling was that it's basically like everything in this world is is betting or gambling. And everything in this world is is uh defined by probabilities, whether that's kind of like insurance or getting a mortgage or banking or trading. And I'd had some kind of avid interest in kind of trading in traditional financial markets in the in, in the past when I was kind of like fifteen, sixteen, uh figuring out what I want to kind of to do the you know the larger part of my life and at university but when i got to 18 19 and started gambling um there was at those kind of high odds bets during the the world cup 2014 went into uni uh started betting like slightly heavier but at lower odds doing a bit more like analytical stuff which uh, eventually resulted in kind of larger losses Uh, and then i went back to, to kind of high odds betting but trying to find value so that was the kind of thesis that i'd reached you know i uh wasn't doing well with the high odds bets at first wasn't doing well with the heavier uh, stakes and lower odds bets but let me try and find those odds that i thought were priced wrong, uh, you know, that were kind of overpriced and I thought I had good value. Um, that was that was actually okay, did did all right with that. But then I kind of realized I didn't have the, the discipline and I didn't uh, end up making too much money. Uh, after that, I kind of found match betting, which I'm, I'm not sure... You know, it's it's a quite a big thing over here in the UK. Maybe some of your listeners in in Australia or the US might be so might not be so familiar with it. But it, basically, it's kind of arbitrage betting. You're you're betting on one bookmaker or one book and betting against yourself on another. And the way you make money is that you're basically using loads of free bets from loads of different accounts and uh, basically laying them on either you know Betfair exchange markets or whatever exchange you like, or you know sometimes even another uh, betting book and uh yeah that went went, went all right uh, me and a housemate of mine at the time I was in my second year of uni we split like a, a profit accumulator account which was basically an account that allowed you to uh they, they were basically giving you the latest offers and, and kind of doing video tutorials of, of how to do each of these offers and yeah we were making kind of like you know maybe 100 quid a month or something each like that and it wasn't big money at the time as a student you're using it on beer or whatever um and at that point that's when the kind of football index ads started targeting me on Facebook because they'd obviously seen I'd been searching like so many different betting accounts and I had <laughs> accounts with so many different bookmakers to try and arbitrage and take advantage of the the odds um from from various books and uh, that's where I you know started found football index deposit like a couple hundred quid just to see what it was like and me and my housemate at the time we we saw that this was kind of there was something here we didn't really know what it was it was like a really interesting product and we didn't really understand it fully but there was definitely something there and um the football index guide stuff actually started maybe 12 to 18 months later uh, i at the at the time, I I joined Football Index, the platform as the 2,000th user, right? So now they've got 450,000, almost three years later, which is a, a crazy bit of growth considering how uh, niche the market is. And um, about you know 10, 12, 18 months after I'd found the product, I had made a significant amount of money for bigger than the kind of 100 quid a month um that i was making with match betting and i started getting questions from my close friends saying hey i've kind of heard murmurs of this football index thing that you are involved in and you use and you told me about it at the start i didn't join when you told me but now i'm interested because i've seen an advert on youtube or on twitter or uh on the radio or whatever this is where it started kind of edging into the mainstream and then when i realized it started getting crazy or even bigger is when people that i hadn't spoke to in years or friends of friends like mutual friends reached out and asked me for advice on the thing on football index and asked me about how it worked and stuff and i was like God, this is such a complicated product it's it's really hard for me to kind of keep explaining over and over again what this actually is so why don't i try and create something scalable right? And I didn't know what this was going to be, but whether it was going to be like writing articles or doing anything like that. And I'd never, I'd never had a a Twitter account in my life. Right. So I thought, right, why don't I start a YouTube channel? That was probably the the easiest way to to create content that was going to show people what this thing was and how it worked rather visually, rather than kind of, um, just through words. And I, set up a twitter account made kind of introductory video uh i'd already made some quite a few friends in the football index community uh and uh through that network i was kind of able to you know um get myself like 30 followers at first. And then when people started realizing the content that I was making, that kind of snowballed and snowballed. Uh, And when I, before I'd started making that content, I reached out to the guys at Football Index and, you know, their blessing was a a big thing for me because they were like, you know, this could actually be a big thing for you, but also for us, this could spread the word and in in turn you could kind of make a a big brand for yourself and um lo and behold that they were they were kind of right on that (laughs) that and because uh you know two years in um the the youtube channel now has like four thousand subscribers it's got like hundreds of thousands of views um the the podcast has that the podcast that i created uh like uh, a month or so after i started the youtube channel which people will Probably best known me for has like over half a million listens, which is pretty incredible. I'm I still kind of pinch myself to this day. The the Twitter account has thirteen thousand followers, and it's just kind of snowballed and, and taken a life of its own. And I'm kind of only really grateful of, of everyone that's kind of followed me to this point and shared my stuff. Everyone has, you know, left a review and and watched my uh watched my videos. But I suppose to the to the root of what Football Index is and kind of uh, why I started creating this content, why it's such a complicated thing to uh, uh, kind of explain. It's basically to its core, a football stock market to encapsulate it in a few words. And traders or bettors, whatever you want to call them, can basically buy shares in players for a chance of winning like daily payouts, which are called uh, dividends. And these shares, uh, as we were talking about off air, are basically fixed odds bets. Take us through that.
0: Let's dig in a little deeper because a lot of people know typical sports betting peer-to-peer exchanges, where there's obviously two people matching each other, and there's a you know a lot of those that are pretty big companies now. For football index, it's essentially you're buying a fixed odds bet for a period of three years, and these dividends come. How do you get
1: dividends? What triggers dividends? So there's three different types, right? Uh, at the beginning, football index only had media buzz which was media dividends right and these were payouts every day 365 days a year and they were paid out one place so that whatever player was top of the media buzz rankings uh, was paid out and the way that they scored who was top of the rankings they basically football index um got 15 different uh tabloids or newspapers and basically use the sentiment scoring matrix which is basically um, if words like triumph or win or champions were used in the article headline then those would score higher points and if stuff like lose or loss were used in their in an article then they would Uh, traditionally or usually score uh, lower points so you can imagine a player like Zlatan Ibrahimovic a few years ago when he first went to Manchester United who are the biggest club in the UK and these are UK based papers that they're accumulating football index um, he was obviously always in the headlines and when he scored and uh, Man United won he was basically winning media buzz all the time so that kind of sentiment scoring matrix really played well into the bigger clubs the bigger players and um you know the teams that won more but that didn't really reflect football so to speak because obviously, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic could end up getting like a really crap haircut and win some media buzz points for it, or Neymar could wear some, you know, silly socks for Christmas that his sister brought him or something like that, and he'd get points for it. But that wasn't really reflective of what was happening on the pitch. And uh, Football Index uh, ended up introducing something called performance buzz, uh, which is basically as you know you you kind of describe it uh, it is what it says on the tin it's basically uh, buzz or dividends that are paid out not rather for the media side of things that i've just explained but for um but for on pitch actions right and basically football index similar to you know fancy football or any other the other kind of platforms that you might find out there have created their own scoring matrix that basically um, allow uh, players or their on-pitch performances to be reflected with points and uh, whenever there's a game uh, between one and five games that's a single match day so a certain amount of money is paid out Uh, if there's between uh, five and 14 games playing at the same time so this might be in a weekend or like during you know the Europa League or Champions League then you have like a double payout And then uh, if there's 15 or more games, so this is like, you know, on a Saturday when there's loads of games in the UK and in Germany or uh, in Spain as well, sometimes then you've got a triple payout, which is the the biggest one. And obviously the hardest to win because there's loads and loads of players. And then eventually Football Index added another layer of uh, some might call it complexity, but it it might have been, you know, a stroke of genius. They called them in-play dividends. So these were basically uh, dividends that you'd get for goals and assists if you bought a player on the day, right? So me and you could be watching Cristiano Ronaldo and um, he could score a goal and we could buy him and then win dividends that get paid out after midnight. The reason these are different to the media buzz and the performance buzz that I... Talks about earlier that they have a cutoff point right so media buzz and performance buzz you can only win those if you buy a player before 2 p.m on that day right and then obviously for the three years afterwards but within play dividends you could buy a player like on the day if they've scored even after they've scored up until midnight get paid out after midnight and then you get a 30-day window for when in play dividends are paid out and then uh goalkeepers as well get a clean sheet dividend for these uh, in-play dividends um as strikers goal uh, and midfielders do and defenders for goals and assists
0: so take us through the mindset of someone who's very i guess apt at, at working through the football index and, and buying shares in certain players how are they thinking about it obviously you've got the share purchase itself and then from there the three types of dividends you just ran through so Take us, you know, in the mind of a more professionally minded person playing on Football Index, what are they thinking about in terms of buying shares at a certain value? What are they, how do they value the dividends? Are they looking at, uh, you know, Messi, for example, or Ibrahimovic, some of the examples you used? Are they players that are bought more often because they're going to have more dividends and the dividends are valuable? Or is the share value itself uh, something that's sort of relied upon over the longer term? What are some of the things that people think through once they're
1: making these decisions? Well, Obviously, fundamentally, the dividends are what underpin the bets, right? And uh, without them, then people would be buying thin air. It would be it would just be buying like you know match attacks or playing FIFA Ultimate Team. <laughs> um, so the dividends under um, you know are underneath the the. The bet obviously but people speculate on loads of things right so me and you jake we could sit here all day and talk about what players we think are going to be really good in two years or what players are going to perform really well in the next three months and that is kind of reflectant on the the market and you know in traditional financial markets you can kind of speculate on on anything right uh, people will speculate on the price of oil going up or down or whatever with football index people are kind of like uh buying based on what the future dividend yields they think will be so for example Messi right now is circling at around five pounds um he is 32 he might retire in you know between three to seven years depending on when the genius decides to hang up his boots but people are kind of working out uh, how much dividends he's going to return and then in turn how much that's going to kind of boost his price between now and uh his uh you know the next however many years of his career when it gets a bit difficult or more tricky is when you're buying these guys that are like 17 18 where there's no data uh uh on them in the past right so a player like Messi we know how good he is and we know uh, his past performances and how you know how many shots he averages on uh target in a in a in a season how many goals he usually scores how many assists but with a player who's just come out of the academy or who's just made his debut, it's really hard for people to kind of like know how much dividends they're going to be winning at their peak. So, it creates this interesting dynamic on Football Index where you have people buying for the immediacy of these dividend returns. You've got people also buying for the uh, longer term media buzz and performance buzz pulls. And then you've also got people speculating on the youngsters that might become the next Latan, that might become the next Leon or Messi, or might become the next you know Neymar, who seems to be the perfect blend of winning media and winning performance buzz.
0: So do do people target certain players in certain areas and think more longer term? Are there professionals doing this? Are they looking at, you know, their own models and spreadsheets to try and find where the value is for the yield based on the dividends over a certain period of time?
1: I think there's definitely people doing it maybe as their only thing because some of the people out there have portfolios that are huge. Uh, there are also people that are doing it kind of like with a massive portfolio, but they also have their uh, their job, uh, day job. And I'm sure there's people who have kind of modelled uh, what they think a player's career could be. The issue is when you don't have any data, as I was kind of discussing there, say a player comes over from, you know, Chile or Brazil into Europe, they've never played a game that has been recorded by any professional data provider you suddenly have a really tough time modeling them right it's kind of like when companies IPO you know we, we've seen Uber and Lyft recently IPO uh, in traditional markets and they just kind of falter they just go down in price because people were just kind of looking at them and saying you know well, I'm not going to pay that price whereas you look at other stocks like Zoom for example the conferencing call um, uh, service they've They IPO'd and they went pretty much like straight up ridiculous returns since they IPO'd. So they were clearly valued wrong. Obviously, that's completely different because this is a kind of a betting uh, platform. But if you're kind of looking at someone who's just been in a quote unquote IPO'd and just been put on Football Index and they haven't played a professional game yet, then it's really hard for you to model what they potentially could be because they might become a really, really good player. But they might not necessarily become a really good player for Football Index. And they might not suit the scoring matrix. They might not play in a team that is going to be very good for media side of things. They might, you know, play for a team who comes sixth in their league forever. Um, So it's going to be really, it's really hard for traders to model those prices of those players that are really young and then what happens is that people were kind of obviously as i mentioned before speculating on what they could become and kind of lots of human uh, psychological factors come into play such as you know confirmation biases uh you know like price anchoring like we see in kind of traditional markets and loads of other things that kind of create uh not bubbles, but kind of uh, basis for these players. For example, a lot of people won't want to sell a player at a loss. This means that if they buy a youngster for, you know, £1.50 or whatever, they go down to £1.20, they won't want to sell at a loss, um, even though they could sell that player and they use that capital to to better use other places. They won't want to sell that player at a loss just because as humans, obviously, Jake, you probably know this quite well, a a win uh, compared to a loss, we actually uh, feel pain twice as much or we're hurt twice as much by losses as we are um by wins if that makes sense so how good i feel by a win i feel twice as bad by a loss so there are so many different factors kind of going into place and so many different variables going into play to kind of how these players are priced on football index and then if you throw into the mix that this platform has only been uh, alive for like less than four years and that all these different variables has changed such as media bars the amount of dividends that are on offer have all changed at different times it gets to such a kind of interesting melting pot of of people buying and and selling shares on this platform looking to win as much dividends as they can and looking to buy players low and sell them as high as they can
0: yeah it's somewhat complicated but also probably many angles and many different strategies to implement so can you take us through just uh let's just pick a basic example like Messi for example you mentioned Mm. Let's say he's five pounds and timeline of, let's say, a two-year horizon. What are some Mm. of the most important factors? If someone said, this is my first trade, what should I think about? What are the things that you would certainly tell them to look at or advise on or say that these are important things? And let's say after those two years, and it's a very uh, distinct cutoff date that this person is going to sell Messi, how would that timeline go for someone that just bought,
1: uh, let's say, five-pound Messi shares? So, I mean, the the bets are, are three years long, usually, rather than two. But um, if, say, you're buying Messi at £5, pounds, the, the simple maths would take that you'd want to buy him at £5, pounds, um, sell him at a price where the price plus the dividend earnings Uh, are greater than what you bought for. And also three years, right, you'd want a a relatively decent yield because if your money is in a bank, you could make, you know, 3% a year or whatever or 2% a year or 1.5% a year, whatever it is. And also with inflation, you want to make a decent yield uh, for the price that you're selling. So let's say, you know, hypothetically, I'm buying Messi for £5. In my head, I'm saying, okay, well, I probably want to make like 35% from this uh, uh, bet in those 3 years then if i am buying him for 5 pounds and then i sell him for 5 pounds then i'd want a 30% return on those original div- uh, uh, on those original shares that i bought price wise uh, in terms of dividends so 30% of 5 quid that's 1 pound 50 so i'd be looking at one pound 50 dividends to be made in those three year, in that three year period. And if I was lucky to sell him for the price that I bought him, alternatively, you could look at it and say, well, I think he's going to do, he's going to like, you know, score 70 goals a season for the next three seasons or six seasons, even, um, then I can buy him now and then sell him in three years for seven pounds and reap the rewards of the dividends. So that's kind of the, the psychological aspects that you'd need to look at. Um, and obviously it's completely subjective right you and me Jake we might differ on what we deem a successful trade in terms of a percentage return and that's the kind of dynamics that create um different prices as well on football index that someone might be willing to buy Messi for 5 pounds because they think that you know a 30% yield over 3 years and being able to sell him for 5 pounds is brilliant and other people might say oh that's that's ridiculous i could make you know a 100% return somewhere else on football index um and then there are other people who are going to be like wow that's that's wow that's really amazing because i could only make five percent here somewhere else that i've been investing
0: how do you know any i guess data on how quickly people might be trading in and out of players or positions or are people waiting and holding
1: for months and months or seasons or are they doing both and then trading out pretty quickly sometimes i mean there's people who trade within seconds within days within weeks within months and with years like for me personally the large uh my longest hold right now i've had a player for um, circa six to nine months. I know people that have had players for a year and a half. Uh, and sometimes the, the three-year bet thing is kind of, people fixate over it a lot. But realistically, you know, Jake, if you bought one Messi and held him for three years, you could sell him a day before the deadline goes and pay a 2% commission because every time you sell a player on Football Index, you lose 2% or you pay 2% to Football Index. As the house, they take that um commission in similar to kind of most exchanges and um and you can just renew that bet if you buy the shares again if that makes sense so you'd just be taking a two percent hit to extend those shares by another three years
0: so what about new new players new kids there's a 15 year old soccer phenom who's going to be in
1: the (laughs) premier league in a couple of years how does that all happen so uh usually football index will ipo players to to kind of make sure that the market isn't being um so to, to to make sure that capital isn't being congregated into too many players if that makes sense so obviously if they they don't continually continuously taking from the take from this pool of new players and put them onto the platform then you'd cut you'd basically end up in a situation where there's um it's very top heavy so to speak um so continuously footballers are added onto the index and their ipos they call them initial player offering rather than price offerings and uh yeah football index choose what players they they're gonna Uh, put it onto the platform at certain points and they dictate the kind of price that they um, they're going to price them at and uh, from then they're basically entered into the market and then they uh, those players settled a price after people ferociously buy and sell them uh, for probably an hour or two and then like a week after that they probably settle at a base price and then after that it's again going back to that kind of conversation we had before where it's really hard to understand how well a player could do. You know, we've in football terms, we've seen loads and loads of players seemingly become they're going to become the next Messi or the next Ronaldo. Uh, you and I both know as kind of sports enthusiasts that uh, players that are really good at 18 or 20 are not necessarily the elite at 25. So, um, sometimes you see players that IPO and then they go really really high and then they kind of trickle down below as people realize that their potential isn't going to be reached
0: are there any good examples over the last 12 18 months of players that have been great to buy or some that might not be so good to buy that spring
1: to mind (laughs) <laughs> well, um, uh, for example, Kylian Mbappe and uh, Jadon Sancho have been kind of good standouts from the younger pool of players that have actually been also performing on the pitch, right? So you've got these guys who are who have got this sky-high potential but are also kind of uh, returning dividends immediately or they've got the potential to return dividends kind of explosively um, in the near future. So a lot of people are speculating that Jadon Sancho might come back to england next summer a lot of people are kind of of thinking about Mbappe and how well he could do over the next 12 months with the Euros next year and if PSG get far in the Champions League etc those are the kind of explosive returns that these guys could, could return um, in, a, in a slow amount of time also you know Mo Salah if you'd bought him when he first went to Liverpool I think he went from £1 to to £6 uh, over a season because he'd had such a phenomenal year wow um, some some guys that uh, maybe might not have been as good of players to buy uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic when he uh, did his knee for Manchester United at at his lofty price. uh, He he dropped a significant amount. Uh, And there are other players that have kind of like, you know, like Gabriel Barbosa, the guy that went from Santos, who was doing amazingly, breaking all the goal scoring records in Brazil and their youth teams and then going out to, you know, potentially become the next Neymar he went over to Europe and Inter didn't do really too well and then uh, ended up going back to Brazil so you can imagine what his kind of price graph looks like it went from you know going up really really high and then going back down below and now trickling um, and finding a new kind of low low base and people that are buying now were kind of probably hoping that he one day makes another move to Europe or suddenly becomes you know the next Pele for the Brazilian national team or something. Do you have any indication as to whether or not
0: Football Index will add more dividend categories or change things or adjust moving forward or are things pretty settled as they stand now?
1: So uh, they recently actually changed the... um not only the dividend structure, but the um, but the performance buzz scoring matrix. So uh, I'll go to the dividend structure first. Uh, they increased dividends across the board, which was obviously very generous of them. Um, and they also decided to very recently uh, change the scoring matrix. So beforehand, football index didn't include stuff like dribbles, aerial duels, uh, long passes, etc. Some of these attributes that you might see on like Opta or other data providers or fancy Premier League for example, or any other fancy sites. Uh, So this made the matrix a lot more robust. And, you know, this has only been decided, this was only actually implemented the last like four or five weeks so we've only got three weeks worth of game data as this season started to see how this matrix has worked but um, so far it seems to have rewarded players that are a lot more dominant on the field players that have got like a lot more flair the dribble Um, they've increased like uh, assist points for example and also added like chances created so those players like Mesut Ozil for example and Kevin De Bruyne that used to uh, create a lot of chances but um, because of the risk appetite that they would have in their passing, they would always pass and try and create through balls uh, to create opportunities. And, uh, when those risky passes don't come off, they lose points because of unsuccessful passes. But now if they've got the opportunity to perhaps create a chance or a big chance with their uh, more risky passes, the payoff for them in terms of points is is bigger. So it's rewarding the best players on the pitch more so it seems from the first three weeks of action. So it seems that Football Index have got a kind of bang uh, on the money there in terms of creating a more robust matrix that has more attributes on it.
0: So has Football Index been considered a success or how is the i guess general viewpoint is it that it's still early stages and we don't know or what's the general consensus around that
1: well at the moment i think if you told the guys at football index um the company or the the guys that run it the executives if they within four years they'd um expanded into the uk and ireland they were uh, legally allowed to trade in new zealand um and they would have almost 500,000 si- sign-ups i'm sure that they would bite your hand off um and i'm also sure that if you told them that they'd be running advertisements on the biggest uh radio stations in the uk on sky sports which is you know the the biggest um uh sports tv platform in the uk and if you told them that they'd have like massive uh, affiliate deals and if you if they'd imagine that they'd have these massive um Ambassador deals with the likes of gillen Balagay, who's a massive uh, presence in la liga and uh, british television um who has over a million followers on twitter with rafa Hogenstein, the big guy in german bundesliga football um and with loads of other massive brands then i think you you'd they'd probably say that this is currently <laughs> probably uh, beyond their wildest dreams if you if i'm
0: honest So what do you think has caused a lot of this success? Obviously, we're talking about marketing, we're talking about driving new customers, but is it a great UI, UX? Is it uh, the trading platform and capabilities and the flexibilities within that? Or what do you think as a user and as a someone who's been following it closely over the, over the past, you know, few years think
1: that make it stand out so much? So I think there's three factors. I think you've got um, the initial influx of users was probably a lot of people who were interested in this kind of thing um, and that were betting regularly but were maybe kind of disillusioned or maybe sick of kind of just traditional fixed odds bets. And I think we've talked about this off air, the, the kind of sometimes the industry um the betting industry in itself doesn't paint itself in the best light in terms of kind of the the culture that it um highlights in terms of uh you know preying on on losing bets and and uh kind of the affiliate marketing schemes that are kind of surrounding that and then the second thing were the returns obviously a lot of people risked their money because this was a startup people didn't know if it was going to survive and um And the returns were obviously amazing for people that started at the beginning, um, and they're still very good for people that are on right now and uh, still seen as kind of early adopters because there's only 400,000 um user bases so that's kind of created a very very sticky user base so that's the third thing a very sticky user base and a powerful community that basically help each other out uh are always willing to lend a hand to anyone who's new on the platform and uh has been a massive part of why kind of my content's been a success and overall more broadly and more importantly why football index has been such a massive success i guess so far in the uk
0: So tell us a little bit about the beginnings and how all that came to be. I've read a lot of stories about how the returns were great in the beginning. Everything was sort of heading upwards. And obviously, as things grew, as more users came on, as more people were buying shares, I'm sure things were, there was a lot of optimism and positivity around. Take us through that period of time and how all that unfolded.
1: Yeah, so I think um, at the very start, it was that the market was very tepid. It was very slow. There was only one source of dividends. And we were only buying 200 footballers there was only 200 footballers on the index uh now there's like over 2000 um and there's three streams of dividends and i think that the biggest growth period to date was um just at the turn of the year january uh was crazy the amount of money that was flooding into the market and the amount of new traders the amount of uh, followers football index were gaining and, and subsequently uh, like a lot of my content was kind of blowing up at that at that time um it, that that period uh between kind of like late 2018 and uh the first few months of 2019 were were crazy like football index were uh had had got more joiners in January 2019 than they had in Uh, the whole of 2018 uh, combined, I think, something uh, crazy stat like that. Um, But right at the beginning, it was, yeah, very slow. Um, But the the, the first game changer was when Football Index introduced uh, Performance Buzz, because then suddenly you had people that were interested in fantasy football that also found this quite captivating. And you also had a platform that was actually more reflective on on on-pitch performance than it was just the papers and the tabloids. And then in-play dividends actually was introduced afterwards and that created that kind of immediacy that kind of adrenaline rush that maybe you know traditional gambling is more uh more renowned for so uh all in all i think the journey's been really crazy for the last four years or whatever it is the three and a half or so years at the beginning it was very tepid but I guess the media side of things was very much the alpha product for football index. And then from here on in, they've been kind of like tweaking and refining the model. And I'm sure that these won't be the last tweaks. I'm sure we'll see dividend increases and more innovative ways that football index can stimulate the market and stimulate trading until we have like a, you know, a market cap or something that kind of, um, you know, maybe resonates more with, with traditional traders where the the returns won't be hundreds of percent or a year they'll be kind of like 10 15 20 and people will have to be a bit a lot smarter in the way they trade
0: so does user experience on football index cater to just the active users i.e you got to check it every day or every you know, a few hours even, or can you just buy players at the start of a season, check in every Monday afternoon, for example,
1: and have a pretty solid portfolio over that period of time with hopefully dividends flowing in? Yeah. So I think I mentioned earlier that people hold players for days, for seconds, for minutes, for months, for weeks, for years. There are people that I'm sure check their portfolio like, you know, every few weeks or every minute or every day or every hour. And it just kind of goes back to what people's strategy is. You know, I, I mean, if you don't have that much time and you're kind of like, I don't really care about the the short term ups and downs and I just want to see the returns in three months, six months, then it's it's perfectly for you as well, because you can definitely find those gems or those people that um, are going to go up like the most Salas or you're going to find you can also use those safe havens like the Neymars, like the, the currently the, the most Salas that return very regularly and are going to hold a stable price for the next few months or so
0: so i'm interested in your thoughts in this space and let's call it the index space but whatever the better (laughs) terminology is but do you think there's more football index types coming out of the woodworks in the future do you think that this industry is ripe for more disruption or do you think that it, it will be one major index like this that will cover
1: the the vast majority of this space So I think uh, how I see things currently in terms of the industry, I see it kind of staying how it is in the very short term, right? Um, And the reasons why is because betting companies are making so much money and they 're able to then funnel that money into their advertising and acquire more users and i don 't think that 's going to stop in the short term, especially as America opens up and you know just simple fixed odds betting that 's the first thing people are going to go to and I think we 'll see that for the next five years or so um, but I do think that there is something about uh whether it's regulations tightening up because at the moment especially in the uk they're quite loose it means kind of big gambling companies they can do whatever they want whether it's um you know how far they push the boat in terms of their affiliate structures or how they advertise there isn't that much of a stringent uh set of regulations in the uk and they are starting to clamp down a little bit But the money is so large at stake that, you know, the Bet365 uh, CEO, she took home a quarter of a billion pounds as her yearly salary in 2017. So you can imagine how much money bet365 makes so that's something when you're getting in those kind of numbers that's something that really stimulates the economy let alone like the betting industry um but i do think there's going to be disruption you know there's things like DraftKings, there's things like football index there's paid fancy football sites uh and i'm sure we're going to see more and more of these things sprout up um that are going to really disrupt the gambling industry and then the other side of uh you know, before I move on, actually, you know, we saw it with Betfair Exchange and SmartKits when they came on. Um, They started with these exchanges and they made a crazy ton of money, but then they still reverted back to um, fixed odd bets. I think SmartKits recently, they just released um, their own book, which is kind of interesting, even though they were making a ridiculous amount of money from their exchange. So it's interesting to see how, even though the these players and the exchanges are turning over billions and billions a year that they are still looking to go for the fixed odds bets because it's really easy to model you can make a lot more money if uh bets go your way but also it's just another big revenue stream um afterwards uh i do think there's also there's going to be players and i'm not sure how successful these guys are going to be but i don't know if you've seen places like quiff that are basically digital only Uh, sports books and I'm sure there's loads more uh, sprouting up at the moment that are kind of catering to people that are um, betting only online or only via apps Um, and they are you know, they have less overheads because they don't have actual stores. And that means they can offer more generous odds. Um, I don't know how successful those things are going to be, but I do see those types of company take, companies taking a really small um, portion of the market. Although they're not really innovating, right? They're not really doing anything new. For example, like they're basically digitizing um, betting, for example. They're taking what's happening in sports uh, bookies in in actual shops and basically just putting it only online and that's great that's accessible and you can offer better odds but you know that market can get really easily saturated and if there's not innovations such as um you know when betfair exchange first came out which was totally revolutionary when football index has come out now and other uh you know fancy betting sites for example i think these are the type of things that are really gonna stimulate um the betting industry to make it bigger and better and probably more ethical you know um, things like football index and and fancy football are probably more stimulating to the average user than they are to uh, you know just traditional fixed odds betting the you know 99% of people lose money or there's only like 2 pe- 2% of people that profit long term with uh, against the house in terms of um, Uh, you know mainstream betting and those people are not your average kind of joes that are just putting five pounds here on an accumulator or five pounds there there are people that um, are doing this full time that are looking at analytics um, years on end and and modeling these systems creating uh, systems that can help them win and i'm sure some of these guys that you've had on the podcast are probably who i'm referring to um but football index and you know fantasy football these are types of things that are kind of like maybe catering to not more so uh, more uh, more exclusively to the average person, but they can be more stimulating and more enjoyable. And if the profits are there from a medium to long term, then I think that those things will kind of stay. And then the other side of things is, um, is there going to be like bigger football indexes or is, football, is betfair exchange going to create their own version of this um, at the moment i don't think so but if football index can show that they're making enough money in the longer term then there's going to be people that are sniffing around the space with serious money and serious intentions so i think it's going to be really really interesting um, at the moment there's those kind of few categories that i've thrown out there there's you know current fixed odds betting there's exchanges there's digitally native sports books that are kind of like quiff and then there's the innovative uh, new fixed odds betting sites like football index and then there's kind of the paid for fancy football sites and then there's going to be things that are kind of in between those like DraftKings and so on and so forth and i can suppose you know football index is kind of in that category as well
0: yeah you touched on a few Great points, and, and one thing I, in terms of a follow, I want to ask around: Do they have you know indexes in terms of like the typical S and P five hundred, where you can potentially package up 5 10 15 of the top guys on football index, and then you buy that index, and you can watch that move, or those types of iterations in the product yet?
1: Yeah, you can actually buy trackers, right? So they have the tracker twenty five, the tracker uh, fifty, and the um track a uh, uh, 100 where you can buy respectively the top 25 or the top 50 of the top 100 players which is uh, you know some people choose to do stuff like that
0: well the reason i ask is because i think nowadays anyway with some of the predatory nature of gambling advertising seemingly is the public perception anyway especially within during game in play or whatever you want to call it places like italy have changed their approach even australia and the uk where we're from and different parts of the world are having different approaches i think if you can not necessarily gamify but you can have an approach like Football Index where it might be a two, 2% commission and hopefully you can you know, trade over a longer period of time and you're not losing all your money rapidly like you possibly can on, on other mediums or other forms and and certainly the whole idea of having someone's 100 bucks go a lot further over a long period of time should be a good thing for responsible gambling, should be a good thing for even sports leagues wanting to make sure that they have engagement over a long period. If you hold a Portfolio of players on football index. You're probably going to be more interested in the English Premier League over the whole season rather than if you had a you know 10 dollars bets that somehow all lost in the first uh, ten weeks. Then you might not be that interested going forward. So there is some of those uh, elements that go into disruptive technology and platforms like this.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's definitely the case, and I think it touches on some of the points that I mentioned earlier. And football index's motto is that your your bet's not over at the final whistle. And you know even if you bought I don't know, messy and he he broke his leg, then he might fall like 50% or whatever. But you might still be able to sell him uh, either back to Football Index or to another user who might think, oh, he'll bounce back from that uh, leg injury. Um, So even if, you know, that happens, then there is kind of, like uh, that bounce back ability potential and that kind of motto is definitely inherent in, in the market and how it works. I think the other thing is like I did a podcast I think it's episode 22 of my show um, that I did it with one of my friends the, the guy that I, I started match betting with and I found Football Index with my housemate and we kind of talked about how Football Index got us really interested in like investing and, and financial markets and, and kind of becoming financially free with our own wealth. And that's the kind of thing that I just don't think you see from, you know, traditional betting and and these models that are currently, frankly, you know, currently monolithic. And you mentioned the word predatory. I didn't want to use it, but we can call it that. Um, They don't really incite that kind of um, stimulating uh, and intellectually stimulating Side of things, as maybe Football Index does, because I, for one, you know, uh, got really interested in, you know, uh, personal finance and uh, investment in general and, and you know stock trading so on and so forth and it all stemmed from this product and i think if it can even have an effect on five ten percent of users that make them think a bit more about their their money in a conscious way and there there were going to be obviously people that are going to risk uh, irresponsibly gamble where they chuck you know 90 percent of their savings in this thing and i would know i've never advised anyone to bet anything more than they can afford to lose but on the flip side you are also going to have those people that learn and they are going to be more in tune with their kind of personal finance and their kind of uh, understanding of, you know, either financial markets or kind of like how they can either they you know better their own wealth and, and build themselves for the future.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think on those platforms and certainly these days, people can get access to a lot more information, a lot uh, free, quickly, and then a lot of it's very good. And you can try and enhance your trading, enhance your investing or whatever your approach is. And then hopefully it is still recreational for those who are just looking for entertainment and maybe they want to buy for some of the in-play dividends over a short period of time as well. So I think free-to-play is kind of trying to get into that space where it's uh, you know, obviously relevant for sports to have some type of interaction with their sports fans, but something like Football Index can have those fans with some uh, skin in the game, so to speak, and hopefully get something out of it short, medium, or long-term, whatever they're looking for.
1: Mm, mm, definitely i think um one last thing and maybe i wanted to touch on then i talked about this on the the latest episode of my podcast so at the time of recording episode 97 with um a chap called uh, gavin uh taking value he's really smart guy we kind of talked about the potential of even maybe you know institutional money coming into the space there's no reason why you know there's people who can we can speculate on um you know uh bitcoin and the price of oil etc there's no reason we can't speculate on a, on a player's performance at some point in the future and i'm sure there's going to be products uh potentially football index included that are kind of going to cater to maybe maybe not eventually you know institutional money but certainly bigger players and professional traders
0: yeah and before i let you go i want to touch on your community what you've developed and what brings people to listen to your show and obviously your content is very good for those specific to football index but does have a a wider audience i'm sure and those interested in just investing trading gambling and betting generally so tell us a little bit about how that started and and how it's all going
1: yeah so i think i touched about it at the beginning it's it's taken a a life on its of its own really and uh you know over half a million uh podcast downloads, uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, YouTube views. And, uh, it's it's quite good. Like I I look at the stats sometimes on YouTube and I'm like, oh, these, these, these views are fake because people must be, (laughs) people must be dropping off like after 30 seconds or something. But the, you know, people are watching like at least 50% of a video, which kind of warms my heart to, to not get too soppy. But, um, (laughs) it really does make me proud that I've, I've kind of ended up creating something that people really enjoy liking, uh, uh, doing, I mean, I actually, funnily enough, got a message from a friend that I went to uni and we were really good friends. We were on the same course. Uh, we, we'd we speak uh, every so often. He just went to me, um, uh, mate, just speaking to someone about Football Index and he says he's watches, he watches your videos all the time. <laughs> How crazy is that? And, you know, stuff like that. I just saw the, the notification pop up like a few hours before we started recording and I just kind of smiled to myself. I, I didn't really know what to think, but I didn't really think it would ever get to a point where, um, you know, I would be viewed and listened to by this many people um but also uh, have a positive influence on, on a lot of people's journeys either in um football index or, or otherwise i mean um a lot of my content uh, f- uh is centered on kind of learning football index and how to become a better trader on that and, and same with the podcast and um hopefully it can continue giving those kind of insights and uh, you know just stuff like responding to people's uh comments on youtube or responding to people's dms on twitter like my dms are open i'm pretty crazy in doing that some people would think but i i've genuinely never not responded to someone whether that's on youtube or twitter unless it's obviously like really absurd spam so uh, you know and i thought when i was three months into this thing i was kind of like i'm gonna get bored of responding to these messages and two years in and i still have not failed to respond to a message which is uh i mean I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I I kind of, just trying to say that I still enjoy doing it a lot. And I, I guess that's kind of reflective on, um, you know, my, my content, the quality of it, the the consistency and, and quantity of it. Um, and, and also kind of the, the listenership and viewership, it just continues to snowball, which is uh, amazing. And I, I, again, I have to pinch myself every time I um, look at the stats. Uh, I see people, you know, talking to me on Twitter and, and kind of complimenting my work and, and also seeing myself in kind of the iTunes uh, charts uh on on apple uh on the apple podcast app is is amazing you know there are people from bbc radio and sky sports and uh you know professional betting companies creating their podcasts um that are professionals in this space that's what they do for a living and this is kind of the the side hustle that i'm kind of um you know playing in the same playground as those heavy hitters is, you know, I, I, it's, it's still unbelievable to me today. And, um, yeah, I, I just hope it, it keeps on going, and I hope I can still continue to make content that, that really uh, helps people out on Football Index and otherwise.
0: Yeah, I'm, I have no doubt Football Index are thrilled to have you as part <laughs> of their world, and certainly uh, the audience obviously values – everything you do for them putting out all the videos and even for myself doing some research I hadn't heard much about Football Index to be honest and it was great to get a full uh, array of different videos and not only that like I said before it's not just Football Index there's a lot of lessons to learn a lot of things you can take with you whether it is investing trading betting or gambling or whatever else might be so I think it was it was a buzzing Paul you shouted out in the beginning yeah shout out buzzing Paul yeah I gotta give him one as well he obviously brought us together it sounds like so it's it's uh it's very cool that we get to chat. Hopefully, we can certainly do it again soon. And I want to thank you very much for yeah. your time and coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks very much for having me, man. It was a, it was an absolute pleasure. And um, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll plug myself finally. If you if you want to find me on Twitter, it's just at fi guide. Uh, on YouTube, if you just type in Football Index, I'm sure you'll find me. And similarly, on on any podcast app, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you want to uh, check it out, it's just the Football Index podcast.